Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth Patchwork Challenge podcast, number four. This one is unique in uh, in the way that we are actually all here sitting together. We're at Spurn Bird Observatory and very nice it is too. Pete, what is Spurn Bird Observatory like? It is absolutely fantastic. James? It's well kitted out, it's really, really good. And uh, there's a new boy, Ryan? Yeah, it's very good. It's very not good. terrible? <laughs> no, it's not terrible. It's the only thing that's not terrible? It's the only thing today that's not terrible. Great. So that's a, a ringing endorsement uh, from Spurn and Bird Observatory. Very comfortable, very nice. We're having a lovely time. Thanks very much. Coming up on this one, we have the promised amendments to the scoring system. So we talked in the past about changing some species points uh, based on changes in status. So we're going to discuss what we've decided there. We're also going to run through some hypothetical point awarding, what we might give some species that are currently around in the UK and we've had four pints so who knows what we're going to end up talking about. Um, we ought to introduce Ryan properly. Ryan's brand new to Patchwork Challenge, he's contributed basically nothing to this whole process. Uh, how are you enjoying your first day Ryan? It, it's very good. I plan to do even little. Even it's not as funny as John's leg over, but still. <laughs> right, okay. Well, that's a that's that's thirty seconds of dead air. So, uh, you plan you plan to do even little. This is great. I need to get a microphone out more often because Ryan usually has something to say. I never have anything to say. In, well, you never have anything worthwhile to say, but you, it doesn't ever stop you saying it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna say anything, are you? You just chip <laughs> no, in. Come not on. Anymore. Come on. No. Okay. What? Well, let's move on. So, what did I say we were gonna talk about? Um, oh, some hypothetical uh, point scoring. Oh, hang, hang on. Actually, let's talk about being at Spurn. It's very nice. We've been to the pub, which is nice. We've eaten a lot of chips, which is nice. And we've spent a day birding here, which Ryan was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> it, it was absolutely <laughs> awful. It was. Do you know what? It was all right. I really enjoyed it. I saw loads of stuff that I don't usually see on my patch. I but you and birds, girdle So basically, any bird is something I don't usually <laughs> see on my patch. Well, you know, hang on. Let's let's be realistic. I saw marsh harrier, avocet, little egret, yellow wagtail, arctic skewer. Um, That's dross. Little yeah. tern. Um, well, yeah, we're scra- Merlin. Merlin, we're scraping the barrel now, though, aren't we? We too. <laughs> we too. <laughs> Grey plover. Grey plover. Okay, you, you get the idea. It's been that sort of day. Um, so the wind has been in the south and very, very strongly in the south, hasn't it? So, so is that a euphemism? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's not been good, but uh, we we have hope for tomorrow. The wind is dropping, and with fingers crossed, we're gonna maybe get a few migrants. We're gonna get to Numpties early when the beer wears off and see what that brings. It's gonna bring red lump swallow. Well, so you've yeah. told me. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Technically, we're at numpties now. No, no, we are numpties now. That's different. Oh, now we talks. <laughs> right, okay. So, before we, you know, we've, this is four minutes into the podcast and we've achieved nothing. <laughs> so, uh, let's move on. So, we promised you that we would review the scoring system and we would change the points for certain species where their status had changed. So, we've had a, a real long hard think about this and uh, this is what we came up with basically there are four different categories of no that's wrong there are five different categories 
of uh, species where the points have changed. So some species have changed because they're, they're declining in status. They're, some are increasing. Some have changed just to keep in line with what BB are um, requiring submissions for. Some have changed just to keep things more standardised. So we're talking there about Siberian chiffchaff and some yellow wagtails. And some have changed because we just don't fancy them, basically. So we'll deal with the biggest group first because it's just going to be me reading stuff out. Great Partridge, we've elevated that from one point to two points. Great Busted, we've elevated from four points to five points, if you can prove that it's a, a genuine vagrant. Forster's Turn, there's not been one of them for a million years, so that's four points to five points. Same for Black-Eared Wheat here. Sykes Warbler, rare and not getting any commoner, four points to five points. Yellow-Breasted Bunting, used to be used to be really common, now it's not. Four point no three points to four points. Four no, points no, to no, five no. points. Five no, points. yellow-breasted bunting used to be rare, is now mega because it doesn't. It used turn to be up. really common. Yellow-breasted bunting used to be quite rare, but now the <laughs> have eaten them all. Indeed. Don't make me get the beeping button out. <laughs> Come on. Okay, aquatic warbler, or as James would say, aquatic warbler, has gone from three points to four points because they basically don't exist anymore. Shorelark has gone from two points to three points because I had one on my patch this year. Doesn't get any bonus points. Turtle Dove has gone from one point to two points, of course, as has Willow Tit and Corn Bunting. So they are the species where there's been a change made because they're declining. Ryan is just laughing endlessly at this. What is your problem? Four points. You. <laughs> <laughs> Me. Okay. So now Ryan's going to talk for the very first time coherently on the podcast about... The species that have had points changes because they are increasing. Ryan, that's the list there, so just read those things out there. Yep, so the first one is Huda merganza, because a lot of the plastic ones are now being counted, so uh, they've increased, so we're now going to give that four points instead of five. Pallid Harrier, well, if Bill Aspen can find one. It's got the Brockles factor. It's got the Brockles factor, so it's down to four points as of next year. Buff-bellied Pippet, I disagreed with this, but... Apparently we count Irish records, so that's down to four points as well. Red Fine Blue Tail, I find one, so that's obviously degraded down to four points. Iberian Chiff Chaff is down to four points. No idea why. Because it's not mega anymore. They turn up every year, they breed in. Yeah. How many has there been in Girdle Ness? None. Exactly. They breed in Spain. Great White Egret. Has been degraded down to uh, two points. Degraded. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We've thrown acid on Great White Eagle. Common Crane is now down to two points because apparently everyone in Norfolk sees one. Yellow Brown Warbler is now two points because everyone finds one in every patch. The Little Egret is down to one point because there's never been one seen in Hemsby. So now going to the more interesting species, which is the ones that are changing because of the BB status. Tommy <coughs> is there four points. Shut up, James. Uh, because, you know, it's becoming rarer and rarer. Red Throat Pippet is now four points because people keep stringing it on call. Rustic Bunting is now four points because it's becoming rarer. Lesser Scop is a bit of a floater, so it's now three points. Bible Diver is a common wintering species. It's three points, should be two. Uh, Glossy Ibis is now down from four to three points. Olive Back Pippet was seen in Hemsby, so it's now three points. Citrine Wagtail was seen at Girdle Nest last year, or the year before. 2014. 
two years ago, so it must be three points now as well. And Boys Reed Warbler has been seen in Girl Less as well. So we have to put that down to three points. You found your feet pretty quickly there, didn't you? You were all shy at first, but now you're caught in controversy. Well, it's abusing Girdle Ness. So. Which is basically one of the only things you're any good at. <laughs> yep, it's easy. It is easy. I mean, I do it all the time. So the next category is the category that I've uh, lazily called bullshit. Um, Pete, do you reckon you could do this without even looking at the screen? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> Upside down, it says Ruddy Sherlock and Borealis Island. It does. So the bullshit column's been given to me, which I won't take personally. Um, <laughs> the first one, I think, has been a, a bit of a... Been contested a few times on Twitter over the years in Patrick Challenge, which is Ruddy Sherlock. We've had a few people uh, add that to lists and then remove it later. Uh, but it's a, a classic piece of plastic, I think. So we're going to give it the uh, customary zero points for plastic. Uh, potentially minus points if you try and add it, so you've been warned. Mm-hmm. The other one is Borealis Ida. Um, again, that's come up a couple of times lately, maybe not as many times as Ruddy Sheldock, but equally... It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, and Except it doesn't formally Ness. exist. Even in Girdle Ness, it doesn't exist. I've been uh, championing the cause that Borealis Ida doesn't exist for a long time. Just to give you an idea of some of the bullshit that we have had to deal with in the past, Ryan and I, when we set this up, four years ago or whenever it was, had a couple of emails asking us how many points for Black Swan and also how many points for Peacock. So uh, if you've claimed Ready Sheldock, don't feel like you've cre- you've caused a, a massive kerfuffle or committed a massive misdemeanour. You haven't, because some people in the past have tried to yes, claim Peacock. And just That's to not... show we're fair, we've removed Ryan's cockatiel from this year as well. We've removed friends, what? Cockatiel. Oh, wait. Cockatiel. <laughs> There's no rings. You've just got to cut it after there was no rings. <laughs> and Mrs. Smith from Hemsby has definitely not lost one. <laughs> I took down the posters. So, James, <laughs> you've got this really fascinating uh, category to talk about now, which I've called standardisation, and which that's the most interesting name I could give it. But I'm sure that you could really do it justice and sell it to people. Today, we have decided that yellow wagtails are very lovely. Some have blue heads. They are worth three points. Some have grey heads. They are also worth three points. Some have slightly blue heads and are called channel wagtails. They are worth three points. If you find something else that's more interesting, it's probably still worth three points. Don't email us. If you're an inland birder and are upset that we've removed yellow brow warble from the bonus point scoring system, please be aware that we have added Siberian Chiff Chaff. That is now worth three points. Thank you. Well, thank you. I, I think that was really professional. Professional is the compliment that you give something that is really boring, isn't it? You dealt with that in a really professional way, James. Well done. Thank you. You're very welcome. While we're talking about how many points things get, let's talk about some hypothetical situations. So there's, there's been four birds, I think, that have been quite interesting in terms of what Patchwork Challenge might award points. So four things that have been in the UK recently. The first one we'll talk about is, it's a no-brainer to all of us in the room. We've talked about it before. We've also tried to record it 20 minutes ago and it didn't work. So we're just saying it again. It's Amy Rob John's... Uh, Caspian Stone Chat, which we all think is mega. We were all really jealous that we didn't find it. We all think it's a bit of really good work. So congratulations, that's 15 points. And we all would like a bit of that, please. 
No objections around the room. Fantastic. No, no. no. Good. Great looking bird. Next, we have the Green Warbler, which was a hypothetical situation until today when the DNA came back. So that came back as, as far as I know, I haven't looked myself, but people are telling me that that's come back as a bona fide Green Warbler. So a no-brainer, 15 points. A well, bit mega. The only thing that the DNA could have done there would have been to rewrite the identification for Spring Greenish Warblers. This bird had a uh, yellow wash on its face. <coughs> We've had a look at a few pictures of spring greenish that Mark found. And uh, <laughs> um, this bird was totally different to everything that's been seen in spring. So if it wasn't a green warbler, we'd have been really struggling. We would have been really struggling. Thanks, James. That was really professional. <laughs> so the next two are slightly more likely to cause discussion, I guess, which you're probably ruling your eyes at now. Um, well, let's start with the Lamagaya. Now, obviously, there's no doubting that it's uh, immensely rare. There's a, I don't know if you can pick up on that, but there's a really high pitch beeping. But stop now, so let's uh, let's ignore it. I think um, it was dishwasher, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think so. I'm the dishwasher in our house. I don't make that noise. No, uh, well, you should. Um, so Lamagaya, guys, let's just have a sort of a straw poll around the room. James, how many points would you give Lamagaya? Unless it's definitely plastic, then it's, it's definitely a five-pointer. So you'd say the, the the burden of proof is proving that it's plastic? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, agree, I think a five-pointer, unless it's it's clearly plastic, until the point that it's accepted, but the acceptability of it. Mm-hmm. It needs removing from the list, should it not be accepted later on. Yeah, Ryan, I'm sure you've got something really eloquent to say on this. It's five points, if it flies overhead me. Is it how many points is it if Gary Taylor says it? Zero. Zero points. Minus two. It's probably because he's not taking part this year. And it's yeah, you can't really twitch. So I think the agreement there is that it, you know I think that the feeling in the room is that it's probably it's got a good chance of being genuine, and we would award fifteen points for it. Although we would request that if it was then sort of not admitted to the British list on grounds of you know you couldn't prove its wild status or whatever. That, that those 15 points would be removed. So the last one, you've you probably guessed where we're going with this, the last one is Dalmatian Pelican. And I think, it, in principle, it's a pretty similar situation to the Lamagaya, but I suspect that the feeling in the room towards it is slightly different. So we'll go the other way. Ryan, how do you feel about the Pelican? I'd give 15 points if you identified it correctly. <laughs> would you, is that, is that really how you feel? Do you think it's legit? Yes. <laughs> convincing you said like, like someone had a hold of your testicles <laughs> I didn't I didn't have hold of you not, not that time <laughs> right okay Ryan's gone so Pete what do you think we're um, talking about the, you know the pelican that stands in people's gardens and stuff I, and I do indeed yeah. it takes food from hands yeah <laughs> Um I guess it's got to follow the credentials of, as we've talked about before, the five-pointer. If it's not accepted later on, it needs to be removed. Mm-hmm. But in the first instance, I guess, if you've got a pelican on patch, a lot of the time you can probably readily identify whether it's an escape or not. In these instances, where well, there's a chance a that it's a wild bird, and it's just a chance, the onus is on to prove it. And I think acceptance is everything. 
Uh, James is making some sort of punching gesture. He is, indeed. That's because there's uh, a group like of a people of coming through the door. But um, my feelings on the Pelican are, I'm less one way or the other than the other guys, but five points again, 15 points if you find it. But should it prove to be an escape, then I think really we should bin it. And I think it's a, it's a question of morals, isn't it? And it is indeed. But now, is, but now that the OBS is filling up with drunk people, even more drunk people than us, it's probably time to stop recording. Adios. in civilization we're not in the in the badlands of Spurn anymore and i'm joined by ryan irvin who is on patch in hemsby speaking to me while i'm on patch at girdleness yeah uh, you recovered from the weekend rain yeah just about just about i'm still seeing very few birds just like Spurn. Uh, but today was a bit better so what have you seen today i started off very well with a turtle dove which was awesome. good it was singing and everything like that and the only two previous records I've had have been flyovers, so uh, it was nice to actually get one on deck and get some photographs of it. Nice. Terrible photographs, but uh, that's good. Photographs on the end. Uh, so. Topical, topical. Gone from one point to two point, as we discussed about ten minutes ago. Uh, what else have you had? I managed to jam in on a female redback shrike, which was always handy. It's only actually my second record. And both have been females, so round about late spring as well. So very good. Yeah, yeah. nice six pointer. But you've also had you've also had something else. I believe that you had a a flock of geese that's that's been tracked via the marvels of Twitter along the the Norfolk coast. Is that right? Absolutely, a, a, a nice flock of twenty two barnacle geese flew north, obviously going to the breeding grounds in the, in the Arctic. <laughs> Is that you, you convinced of that? Are you? I uh, no. no. <laughs> so you know, it, in like with what we've just been talking about, or what we were talking about over the weekend about sort of hypothetical point scoring. You know, some people could argue that that those birds are plastic. For example, when we were standing at Numpties at the weekend, and those four barnacle geese flew past us, the, the you know you could hear the general murmur of plastic from all the spurn regulars. Um, so uh, so what would what will you do? Will you be counting points or or what? I think I probably will. You know, I've had a couple records. All the records I've had of barnacle geese off Hemsby have been in May, mm-hmm. and as far as I'm concerned, it's the same as Canada goose down here, Egyptian goose. You know, uh, they're they've got a feral population and they move around. So I counted them previously, so just to kind of keep keep a balance with other years. Uh, they're not the most thrilling thing to see because you do feel they're not wild. But yeah. you know, I don't see them any different to Canada goose, uh, as I say, or or Egyptian goose. It's interesting that because I quite often see sort of passage of barnacle geese in May, and I I don't think twice about it. But that's because I I know I'm going to see, you know, genuinely wild birds in, in in September and October on passage. But I guess if they if it's your only shot at at Barnacle Goose, then you have to sort of give it a bit more thought than that, don't you? But you know, your reasoning seems pretty sound to me. And uh, I think if I was in in your shoes, I'd count, the, I'd take the points as well. 
Yeah, yeah, and I mean it, it is a strange, it's a strange month because I don't actually see many Canada geese here either. But May is the peak time to see them moving north mm. as well. So it just seems to be a, there must be some sort of movement of feral geese. In fact, I think grey legs as well. I see more grey legs in, in May than any other month. That's interesting. I have uh, late July and August are the, the time for Canada goose for me. Uh, apparently, that coincides with the time when they're when they're flying up to is it the Dornock Firth or something. They gather there to molt in in big numbers. There you go. Patch chat. <laughs> <laughs> about plastic geese about Thanks. plastic geese like, don't get me started on bar-headed geese you know what I'm like with that um, <laughs> so you were out and about all day today yes that's yeah, like one yeah, of the benefits of, of being between jobs isn't it not between jobs just uh, vesting <laughs> so I, I guess you probably had some certain targets in mind but seeing as it's the end of May and we're soon going to be moving into June what are your June targets going to be? What are your June ones to watch? I think my main June target, especially in the East Coast of Norfolk, would be Marsh Warbler. It's, I think it's the peak time you start hearing them, uh, normally hearing them first. And then hopefully, uh, if you're lucky enough, you can get good views of them as well. It's, a, it's an interesting species. They seem to be increasing in, in breeding numbers, uh, as well as, I think there's a lot, there seems to be more records on the coast in spring as well. So, it's it's a species that could turn up anywhere. If you've got suitable habitat on the coast, inland, I think it's a good chance of uh, of finding one in early June. What what is suitable habitat? Um I always look in, in small reed beds on the coast like uh along ditches and things. All right, cool. I don't know if that is suitable because uh, I've never found one. But, uh... <laughs> I I don't know. I mean I I I always thought they had more of a preference for sort of wet margins with bushes and, and scrub and stuff like that. But I, I think guess... that's probably what I'm thinking about. It's, it's, it's kind of like ditches here yeah. with, with, with reeds and, and bramble and things like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's where I tend to look. I guess uh, on passage things are less fussy anyway, aren't they? You know, habitat is less important, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They could turn up anywhere, you know. Uh, I've, I've found Chetty's Warbler in a garden. In, in spring, you know, so you don't know where they're going to turn up. Anything can happen. So, in a similar vein to that, my one of my one to watch for June is Blythe's Reed Warbler. Um, recently demoted from uh, four points to three points, obviously because it's not a BB species anymore, but a real birder's bird. I think a real challenge to identify, especially if you uh, if you try to do it on plumage. Obviously, they've got a pretty distinctive song. It's you know, it's a good late spring migrant. Certainly, over the last sort of five or ten years, there's been many, many more spring records, including one at Girdleness, which happened to be on the 31st of March, but that's out of May, but that's practically June. So uh, I think it's a valid one. And also, I think it's a really good one for uh, an inland patcher. Patchwork Challenge had one singing in London, I think, a couple of years ago, a couple of summer, uh, springs ago. Um, yeah, yeah. There's been a couple of inland records for North East Scotland. In fact, four records in North East Scotland only, and two of which have been inland, so it's a, a pretty good shout for an inland patcher. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's one of those that you'll pick up on song, so yeah, uh, it's worth yeah just keeping an ear out anywhere, really. And can I just sound like a stuck record and suggest that we go out for a walk in the night, because you've got just as good a chance of hearing these things singing at night, and that's how you're going to find your river warblers and your spotted creeks and all the rest of it as well. Yeah, yeah, there was one reported not far from me, actually, I think it was last year, and it was about 
half past nine, ten o'clock at night that I went out to try and try and look for it. Is that the Blaze Reed? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right. And did yeah. you hear it? Nope, nope, no, no. Unfortunately not. But uh, yeah, it's on sociable hours. But if you want to, if you want to see or hear a, a Blaze Reed warbler, I think I'm sure it'll be worth it. You can do it on the way back from the pub. Well, yeah. Okay, so you've got another one to watch, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, black-headed bunting. Awesome. Um, it's always a. I always think it's a, a late May, early June bird. Uh, I see Skomer uh, scored again this week. Mm-hmm. They seem to be annual there, and I think we were discussing earlier. It seems strange that it seems more a West Coast bird at the moment, especially in spring. Yeah, there seems to be a lot more records. And always males as well. Obviously, males sort of stand out more, and people notice them and everything. But you know, you don't hear of many spring females, do you? No, no. But I, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was last spring in in Norfolk. I think we had a. I think we had a male and a, a female at the same I may, place. I, I may be wrong. It, was that at the same place in your imagination? Uh, no, no, no. It's two different, two different records. Ah, right. um, yeah. Okay. Okay. They weren't breeding. No, no. <laughs> but Norfolk would be the place, I guess. So my other one to watch is another. Uh, I think has a reasonable chance of, of turning up in land. So it's common roosefinch. It, it's another. It's a actually it's a, a really rare bird away from the Northern Isles. I think. Obviously, you get the odd one on the east coast, but certainly the last two singing males in northeast Scotland were both inland. In fact, the last three males in northeast Scotland were singing birds that turned up inland. So. Uh, yeah, right enough, coastal county, but certainly inland records of birds. So there's a selection of six to uh, 12 pointers to look out for in June. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think rose finch is an under-recorded species as well. It seems, down where I am, they're extremely rare. Rarely ever recorded. And I've no idea why, because you go, as you say, the Northern Isles, you go to Spurn, and, and they seem to be quite regular sightings. Yeah, it, I guess it's just observer coverage, isn't it? They're, they're quite they're quite mobile and, you know... Plenty of cover. You know, that's cover. the problem. Yeah. yeah. And I guess once they get into a flock of linnets or whatever, then they could really... They could just vanish, couldn't they, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one to be, I'll be looking out for in the next couple of weeks anyway. So by the sounds of things, you'll, you'll be resisting the temptation to sofa sea watch and you'll actually be getting out... Yeah, yeah. It's this time of year where sofa sea watching only heralds things like Barnacle geese. So <laughs> it's it's better not to do that. No, eyes to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Just it's going to be a quiet sea from for uh, out at sea for uh, probably a good six weeks now. I think so. I'll have to do some hard work instead. Well, my heart bleeds for you, Ryan. Uh, we'll leave it at that because we've talked about ones to watch for ten minutes now. But uh, thanks very much, and uh, all the best for your blackheaded bunting. Yeah, and good luck with your boys, Reborn. Cheers, see you later. Right, that's the end of that. Thanks very much for listening to Podcast 4. We'll be back in June with Podcast 5, no doubt discussing the summer doldrums and uh, dragonflies, all those other things that people turn to when there's not many birds to look at. So before I go, I'd just like to thank those people who continue to support Patriot Challenge. 
mainly Brassa and Forest Optics, of course, British Birds, The Sound Approach, NHBS, uh, Bardley Bird Observatory, and, of course, Bird Guides, who have supported us all the way from the very beginning. So thanks very much to those guys. All that remains for me to say is enjoy the end of the spring. Go out and get yourself a mega black albatross and black-eared wheat here today, and it's not even 10 o'clock. Get up there and get some points. Good birding.